Thank you for joining us for Decision Point from Ivy Publishing at the Ivy Business School. In this episode, we talk to professors Niha Mittal and Marilyn Anthony, both from the Fox School of Business at Temple University. Niha and Marilyn walk us through their case, Tender Greens, Can They Keep the Green Promise in Beef Sourcing? An operations case that deals not only with supply chain issues, but sustainability, strategy, ethics, and managing stakeholder interests. In our conversation, we discuss the importance of storytelling, how to build trust with the case subject organizations, and writing cases with online delivery in mind. We conclude our discussion with Neha and Marilyn's experience as an Ivy Publishing co-brand partner and how Fox's case writing initiatives support Temple's overall strategy. Enjoy. Well, thank you both very much for joining us today. I'm looking forward to the discussion about about the case and your experiences. And, you know, as always, for the listener, all the the tidbits and advice that you have uh, for them. So maybe we'll start about, you know, how did you learn about the Tender Green story? And, you know, what really precipitated you thinking this is going to be a great case? And walk us through that process of researching and, and writing that. Well, I think this is an example of what you might call reverse engineering. I had learned about Eric Oberholzer. He is an alum of uh, Temple University, not the business school. And I learned about him because he's um, an, an important and successful alum. And his story was really interesting to me. He came and spoke to my class, a strategy class, a number of times. And that precipitated a a lengthy project, he and I decided to collaborate on a full-length business book detailing the plan that led to the success of Tender Greens. So that's the reverse engineering part. We were working on this book, and as you know, that's a long and slow process. And it occurred to me that I might be able to develop a teaching case as a way to go deeper into one aspect of their business model, and that was about sourcing. So that's that's how I got engaged and had the good fortune to meet Neha, who is a supply chain expert. Yeah, and really, I mean, I think since the case dealt with ethical sourcing issues during the growth and expansion of Tender Greens operations, uh, we thought it would become a great case for the students because it would not only give them an opportunity to learn about uh, some of the supply chain issues when a business grows, but uh, given the multitude of players and stakeholders that Oberholzer has had and the careful balancing of each of the perspectives, we thought it would really expose students to an interesting multi-criteria decision-making problem. Yeah, and you, and you mentioned that, you know, the genesis of the case was kind of, there's a few things at play here. And, and you know, as experienced case writers, you know, do you always approach case uh, writing a new case in the same way? Do you focus more on the story or the learning objectives, or is it a mix, or is it, you know, is it, the case comes to you in many different ways? What's been your experience with that? Well, I have to admit I have a bias because my degrees are in English literature. So it's it's always the story for me first. And a, a story well told is both engaging and instructive. So the potential storyline is what gets my attention first. Um, most frequently I am co-authoring and so I'm looking for a partner with deeper expertise in that particular subject area. And so in this case, you know, Niha really provided the impetus toward understanding what would be valuable learning objectives in a supply chain course. And of course, she's also a terrific researcher. 
Now, uh, I think for me personally, it's both. It's a compelling story as well as the learning objectives. Uh, but I think in my experience, I've always been able to relate some meaningful learnings from a compelling story. So, I mean, I always believe that if there is a business that has struggled with something, there is always some outcome, some learning that has come from it. And it can be connected with a relevant topic or a content in the course and it, it it should be provided to the students so it sounds like together you guys are a great team you both bring your strengths here and i think that's an important lesson for you know those just uh, starting out in in case writing like you know choosing a great you know writing partner or a great team to come together you know lean on each other in those skills and the different perspectives which is really cool that you brought that up you know, it sounds like things went very well from the writing side of it, but let's talk a little bit about challenges because uh, people are always asking, you know, in our workshops and when we're meeting them at conferences, you know, what are some of the challenges we should look out for? Were there any notable challenges when writing this particular case and how did you overcome them? You know, I think we were fortunate because we had access to um, inside information at the highest level, a, a founder and CEO who also is very supportive of instruction and wanted to share his story. So, you know, a lot of times people just encounter uh, that access issue that they can't get information. So we were really fortunate there. I think some of the challenges were as we started to try to understand the dynamics of his decisions. Uh, for me, it was, you know, I didn't know that much about supply chain. So understanding more about um, the dynamics there. And also there's a big rabbit hole that we both went down trying to understand all of the designations that the USDA or simply the industry applies to beef. And so we really had to sort that out. We had to um, figure out a way to make that clear to, to students. So that was um, pretty much, you know, the, the research side of it. And, um, you know, once again, that was, we were helped in overcoming that by these candid and, and deeply knowledgeable conversations with Eric about mm. what he considered, you know, the, the range of his considerations, and then the factors that influenced his final decision. I completely agree with Meriden. I think those uh, couple meetings in the initial phase of the case writing, as well as the email exchanges and some reading on the internet truly helped us understand the problem. I think for me personally, the biggest challenge here was just understanding the scope and the width of the case, because initially when we started working on the case, I thought it would be a, a business that is dealing with supply chain issues, whether it's logistics, inventory management, their warehousing, their sourcing issues. But as we came to know more about it, I mean, we really figured that it was much more than just supply chain issues. Um, uh, it was about, uh, again, as I said, initially the multi-criteria decision-making problem that involved ethics as well as business values. So um, I think, yes, those, those meetings, those, those email exchanges really helped us overcome those challenges just to understand what this case holds. Marilyn, I want to come back to something that you mentioned uh, and, you know, those candid conversations. And it sounds like you both were very fortunate to have a leader in an organization that was open, that was interested in, you know, in providing a great learning experience for the students and giving a lot of open access. You know, what have been the ways that you help build that type of relationship with organizations, maybe in other cases that you've written, because that that is a huge challenge is sometimes getting access or 
you know, developing that relationship. Any tips for, for writers in how to foster that type of situation that you guys were lucky enough to have? Well, I've certainly heard this from other case writers as well, that uh, this is a, a, a relationship building process and it really is about trust and it's about understanding the goals and objectives of this of your potential subject and trying to uh, find that spot that will provide value for them. And sometimes the value is that they really do want to pay it forward. You know, they mm. remember their student experience and they, they want to share what they've learned with uh, early stage or, or, you know, just students starting out. Um, sometimes it's in, in sharing their story, it actually clarifies for them what their role has been, what um, their process has been, what uh, how they how they make decisions. It helps them to think about their leadership, and that can mm -hmm. be very rewarding. So I, I think in this case, um, particularly, you know, this relationship started with a simple introduction, a come to my class and meet some students. That live engagement piece was very exciting for him. The students came prepared with questions. There was lively exchange. And we did that a number of times and it gave him a chance to see, to experience what students are interested in, what they're thinking about, um, to see the diversity in the class and the reception to his ideas. And also, you know, on my side, that I was there in a supporting role that the goal was for everyone to have a positive experience. Uh, he wasn't going to be lampooned or, yeah. you know, or, or there'd just be crickets in the room, you know, that it was really fun uh, and, and full of learning on both sides. And that, that helped set the stage for working together more. So I would say whenever you can have that face-to-face -face, and particularly if you can involve your subject with students, they really can seal the deal. Yeah, and it, it makes it so it's something that the the company the, or the CEO you know wants to do again. And maybe there's another situation that comes up, and they remember that great feeling of seeing the environment of learning and the students and having that experience. It can be a long term relationship too. So I, I love how you put that. That that's a great point. And in fact, in this case, and in in another case uh, with a, a solo entrepreneur. Not only did they come and talk to my classes, but then each of them became keynote speakers for larger events at the university. So oh, wow. it, it really did evolve into a much richer relationship. Oh, that, that's that's great and a great uh, tip for those you know starting a journey of writing a case. Get the people actively actively involved. Yeah, and on, on the trust side, don't ask them for financials on day one. Yeah. <laughs> very, very good point. Yeah. Build up to that. <laughs> so, so let's talk a little bit, you know, and uh, you've mentioned this before, you know, the case is primarily focused on supply chain management, uh, but it touches on a lot of different issues, including sustainability, balancing stakeholder interests, strategy, ethical sourcing. Um, can you talk about the versatility of the case? How did you keep that in mind when you're writing it? Uh, some some thoughts on you know that type of approach because it can fit into a lot of different uh, teaching situations. 
You're absolutely right, Matt. Um, in fact, we believe uh, it is this versatility of the case that makes it so unique and interesting. And in fact, I mean, if you look at the field of supply chain today, it has grown to include uh, issues like sustainability or CSR, the corporate social responsibility issues. So I think it's very important for the students to understand um, how these values and how these principles often drive the core supply chain decisions. For example, if you look at the Trenda Greens case, uh, when we think of buying and sourcing, I think buying that uh, only ethically raised meat was very important for them. From a logistic standpoint, uh, we were told that tender greens would never buy a frozen meat. So they always wanted that fresh supply at max uh, refrigerated, but nothing frozen. Because uh, again, Eric told us that when the frozen meat, uh, I think uh, when it defreezes, it pulls out some of the tissues from the meat and it loses the taste. So, uh, I mean, I think that was a key issue here that uh, the the key values, the um, core principles of uh, ethical uh, sourcing was so important that it was driving some of the supply chain issues. And again, in this case, I think Eric was trying to balance a number of different perspectives from a farmer's point of view, from an animal protection group, uh, from the consumer point of view, from the investor's point of view. Um, he had several different objectives that he was trying to, that he was trying to balance. Yeah, and if I, if I could just add to that, uh, what, what appealed to us was this notion of values elements of a business model being differentiators and, and actually even foundations for the success of the company. And we really thought that that would speak to students. We, we were looking for a business case that could be used in a business ethics course that would really show the costs and benefits of a values-driven enterprise. Students are increasingly interested in making sure that their work is meaningful and that it's aligned with their values. And so putting this in a for-profit context and, and exploring how you go about actually making that happen, we thought would have wider applicability and interest to students. Really well said. And I think that's one of the things that excites me when I see cases. And when I go into a case classroom, I've been lucky enough to you know, be educated in a class, uh, case classroom as well, is that you, as a student, are in the seat of a decision maker. And this case is really great because you know there's a lot of different stakeholders, as you just met, mentioned, and with competing interests, you know, different perspectives, different ideas. You know, when teaching this case, how do you get the students to experience you know, sitting in the seat of the decision maker, balancing all of these different interests. You know, how, how, walk me through how you lead the student on this journey. Yeah, so, I mean, multi-criteria decision making uh, is anyway always a very interesting problem. You have different stakeholders, each having their own benefit and cost and things in mind that they want to bring to the table. So in this particular case, I provide students with the case about four to five days in advance, okay. um, give them an opportunity to read. I also assign them with a specific stakeholder role that they would be playing on the day of the discussion in the class. So I split the class into groups and uh, I assign each of the groups with a particular identity, whether it's a farmer or it's an animal protection group or it's the consumer or it's an investor. So I'll have those groups predefined and uh, 
on the day of the case discussion, I would make each of those groups discuss again their own benefits, their costs, their risks associated with ethical, uh, with uh, sourcing ethically raised beef. So I think. And in my experience, I have seen interesting debate and discussions emerge between all these different groups. And again, since the class is full of millennials and millennials are known to go towards organic and ethically raised uh, food, I think uh, it, it was really interesting to see those discussions in the class. And by going through this exercise, I think students understood the value of recognizing um, different stakeholders that may be involved in their decision-making process and understanding each and everybody's perspective and how important they are to the final final decision. And then I've got a follow-up that I just kind of wanted you to look into your crystal ball and, you know, what do you foresee in the evolution of the case method that, you know, we're sitting here early September uh, with, you know, with COVID still very much a concern causing a lot of rapid innovation. I'd just love to hear what you think of as, as an evolution in the method as well. So you're absolutely right, Matt. I think that uh, modality is always in the back of our minds when we are writing the case. And given the environment we are in today, I think we are always writing the case, which can be taught both online as well as in person. So um, I think truly with when we were writing the Tender Greens case, that was uh, in the back of our minds. Uh, we were trying to develop a case that can be seamlessly taught uh, either in person or, or online. Uh, to answer your second part, um, I think as the methodology evolves, um, I personally think that virtual reality is something that may pick up. I mean, students sitting in a virtual classroom wearing those headsets, uh, they are able to walk and experience the big business practices through videos uh, may really change the way teaching cases could look in the future. I mean, we recently had one of our faculty experience with VR headsets and virtual classrooms, and it was it was very successful. So I think that's probably where we are seeing us going in the future. Yeah, I'll just add on to that, that um, one of the things that we all experienced um, because of uh, the pandemic was um, increased access in a way. And mm. so while I was fortunate to have Eric be based in the Philadelphia area where I am, um, if he had still been in California, he could have joined us virtually. So, you know, that uh, in, in terms of uh, making it easier for people to participate, while there is a trade-off, there's nothing as exciting as being live and in person, um, it's going to make it easier for people to connect because they don't have to travel in order to join you. And I think also there's a lot of emerging technologies, right? So using more of those technologies like VoiceThread, engaging students to record things and share things um, will come closer to enlivening the environment and, in, and lead to more engagement. You know, and you mentioned, you know, patching people in via Zoom or other technologies It also gives the opportunity to record some conversations that can be included in, you know, things like teaching notes and, and add enhanced video to uh, to more traditional cases. And we know as a publisher, we're being asked for things like that for courses that are synchronous or asynchronous online. So, yeah, another opportunity to take advantage of the technology. Yeah, that's a really good point, because we know certainly that students are it's easier for them to become involved when you give when you deliver content in different ways so um, visual and auditory as well as reading if you can put a package like that together which is also part of our thinking as case writers as we move into this more virtual delivery system 
So I want to take a slightly different path here and just talk about uh, something that is always exciting for us at, at publishing, at Ivy Publishing, when we get to partner with, with organizations. And recently, Ivy Publishing partnered with the uh, Fox School of Business at Temple. And, you know, to publish and distribute cases, you know, can you speak about your experience so far as a co-brand partner and, you know, the where you see collaboration fitting in in this the, the whole universe of, of case publishing? Absolutely. I think this partnership has been excellent. Um, it has motivated Fox faculty to develop and write more and more cases. Um, Ivy has provided us with immense support as part of this collaboration. Um, I think the partnership has drawn uh, Fox closer to Ivy and we we now feel part of IB's network and their global reach. So, in fact, we are uh, we are currently running a global case writing competition within this umbrella, and we had two free workshops this summer um, provided by IB to help the case competition participants develop their own cases. So, I think the partnership has worked wonders. Uh, we have a lot of interest, and I actually hear faculty talk about writing cases now much more than what it was a couple of years ago. Yeah, I think what you know, Ivy's contributed um, a great deal of learning to our community. And uh, we have many faculty who thought about, they, they used cases to, to teach. They may have even developed some of their own, but not really thought about publishing. And as with any new enterprise, those barriers to entry are, I don't know how to do it. That's the mm -hmm. first big one. And Ivy has really, really provided us with tremendously rich resources that have made it easier for people to cross that threshold. You know, they've explained step by step, here's how you do it. Well, it's been an, an, a great opportunity for us to learn from you as well, because every you know partnership that we go in, we hear about different ways that cases are being developed or supported and different ways that they're being used. So we've been getting a lot out of it as well. And I want to thank you for, uh, you know, for your participation in it. And, you know, this interesting, the, the Fox Temple case collection, it's interesting that it supports Temple's strategy. Uh, and maybe could you speak a little bit about that and what you're seeing for the future of the uh, the collection? Sure. Uh, so, I mean, at the Fox Translational Research Center, uh, we had four strategic pillars when we first created it. Uh, we wanted a way to connect research to practice, uh, communicate research insights for public consumption, support faculty as they bring research learnings into the classroom, and uh, lastly, affect some uh, policy level changes. So by developing a school-wide uh, school culture on case writing, uh, we have been able to accomplish these goals. I think faculty are encouraged to identify case subjects, um, help bring research learnings into the classroom, and they're also able to connect their research with the real world operations, um, solve real world problems, or at least bring the learnings from those things into the classrooms, which I think students appreciate. And um, I think it has been a win-win situation from both the faculty side, the research part of it, the academic side of it, as well as the student learning part of it. So now I'm going to ask a question that uh, I'm going to be a bit greedy here. And I, I, I want to know, you know, what are you working on now? Do you have any cases in the in the lineup or that you're excited about starting or, or thinking about writing? Because I always love to hear about what can I can expect to see, you know, hitting our library in the coming uh, months or so. Sure. So Marilyn and I actually have a case currently being uh, 
uh, reviewed at Ivy. We are under the third round of <laughs> reviews this time, but it's about a small spice company in New York, which focuses, uh, which actually focused on changing uh, their mode of business. They were initially serving only wholesale, and then. Uh, when the pandemic hit, I think just to expand their operations as well as to stay afloat in the pandemic, uh, they moved to a direct-to-consumer marketing. Mm. And that has been so successful the, for them. Uh, so I, we thought that it was a very, very fascinating business, and especially the way it evolved from being serving only wholesale to now serving both wholesale and consumers. I think there are very interesting supply chain issues there. Uh, so I think that's that's one case that is definitely in the pipeline. Um, in addition to that, I'm working on two other cases. One is dealing with uh, the global expansion of a bridal gown company from Israel. And the other one is about um, how technology has changed uh, city parking garages into logistical hub centers. So, I mean, uh, companies like Amazon have now started looking into these uh, parking garages, which are very strategically located in a metropolitan area. And uh, they are trying to use unused parking spaces to install lockers or make them as delivery hubs or even they are using some of those to deliver packages in people's trunk. So if I'm the customer and I want a package delivered, my car is parked in X garage, Amazon would actually send a driver and deliver it there so they don't have to go to everybody's house. They are making these uh, parking garages as logistical hubs. Wow, that's fascinating and so relevant. Like, again, the, one of the cool things about cases, you see them come through and like it's dealing with a business situation that's happening now. And we can relate to that. We can relate to getting our packages from Amazon. That's great. So I'm also at work on a, on a number of things and uh, early stage companies that are facing decisions about scaling, especially if mm -hmm. those companies are led by women are of special interest to me. So currently under review um, by Ivy is a case about an upstart beverage company that I co-wrote with another Fox colleague. And with another co-author, I've um, published uh, an HRM-based case on racism in the workplace. And with that same co-author, we're in a case competition. Uh, it's a strategy case about post-pandemic pivot of a New Zealand restaurant chain um, and hospital, and the, we're also in developing one about a hospitality and tourism company trying to grow in Africa. So, you know, looking outside the U.S. to some things that are happening um, post-COVID. And the fact is, there are just so many interesting and novel things that businesses are doing in response to this. And so there's lots of new and, and as you mentioned, and as Nia just gave a great example of relevant material, just waiting for case writers. Yeah. So get, you know, encouraging those that are thinking about writing uh, cases, give, give it a shot, uh, you know, follow those great story ideas, you know, think about what you could use in your classroom or what a colleague could use things that support the strategy of the organization. But you're right. There are so many ideas like daily we're seeing, uh, we're seeing cases submitted. We're seeing stories in the news that would make fantastic cases to put the student in the seat uh, of making decisions so that they're prepared to go out and be and be leaders when they graduate. Uh, I want to thank both of you for taking the time today to chat with us. Uh, you know, one of the things that's sticking in my mind is just that relationship building. 
with the organization, with the CEO and leaders at organizations that, you know, it will help for this case that you're working on, but also, you know, it's, it's beneficial to that person and the company. It's exciting for them. It's great for students to see CEOs and successful people struggling with different decisions. And I just, to me, what's sticking in my mind is that importance of the relationship and how it really facilitates great cases uh, being written. So thank you very much for sharing your, your stories with us. Yeah, it's, it's been great. Thank you. Yes, it's a pleasure to be a part of the Decision Point series. I think it's one of those series that I've always enjoyed listening to. So thank you very much for inviting us. If you enjoyed today's episode, subscribe to Decision Point on Spotify or wherever you listen. And be sure to check out the show notes for links to cases, resources, and more. Have any feedback? Send us an email at cases at iv.ca.